Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Dan and Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe. Well, Joe, um, in terms of Super Bowl excitement, this one really had a great buildup, but then the delivery was about as lackluster as the year 2020 was. It really was. It reminded me a lot of the Super Bowl between the Broncos and the Seahawks after the 2013 season where that one had significant buildup as the best offense versus the best defense. Peyton Manning was the MVP, putting up electrifying passing numbers with the Broncos that season, and then it was 43-8. to And this Super Bowl is very similar to that, even though the scoring margin wasn't quite indicative of that. I think that ultimately you saw a Bucks team that just hit their stride at the right time. Um, a lot of prognosticators thought that this team was just going to get better as the season progressed because they were immensely talented and they added Tom Brady, but they didn't have a training camp. They didn't have preseason really. So everything was kind of rushed. And so the more they played, the better they got. And then you see additionally the combination on the flip side for Kansas city is they had more injuries. I think than people realized the offensive line was banged up, missed their left tackle, Eric Fisher, Patrick Mahomes, I think, really wasn't even playing 100%, having to have toe surgery this week. And Kansas City, you know, as good as they as they were, I think they kind of maxed out during the season in Tampa, which is peaking at the right time. And that's what you saw on Sunday night. Well, Joe, there's no doubt that Tampa was peaking at the right time. You know, you think about the way that their team was built this year – so many new pieces that didn't have a, a significant offseason. You move Tom Brady from New England to come down. You get Gronk out of retirement. You get A.B. from off the waiver wire. And you get all these guys together who are all stars but have never played together, uh, you know, for you know, haven't played together this season. And in a new environment without OTAs, without training camps. And so you knew eventually the talent would get there. I just kind of thought it wouldn't maybe happen until next season. But at the end of the year, you know, they really came together to win their last eight games. And really with the Chiefs, I think that offensive line was the game in and of itself. I don't know that they win with a fresh offensive line, but you don't see what we saw on Sunday. Yeah, I saw a crazy statistic, Dan, that Patrick Mahomes rushed for almost 500 yards Sunday night. And that was trying to evade the pass rush. Like he just had to scramble all night. He was harassed, throwing on the run. And he just played a very uncharacteristically inefficient night, passing 49 times, like 27 for 49, two interceptions. And who would have expected that Patrick Mahomes, the all-world quarterback, would not even throw a touchdown pass in this game? Uh, I believe that I, I read that if you were to make that prop bet in Vegas, which that was a, an available prop bet, that the Chiefs would not score a touchdown, I think you got out at 1,000 to 1. Mm. So drop the $100 on that, that would have been $100,000. So uh, that would have been a nice bet for anybody that made it. But, I mean, that that was just so remote. I doubt anybody went with that, that bet on the prop bet. No, it's very unlikely. But another thing that's kind of eerily uh, – similar about this Super Bowl to the one that Tampa Bay won after the 2002 season. It's kind of how in 2002 they harassed Rich Gannon, the quarterback of the Raiders, similarly. He threw, I think, five interceptions in that game. 
And while Mahomes didn't throw, you know, five interceptions, he threw two, and they failed to even score touchdowns. So it's kind of crazy how Tampa Bay, both times they've been to the Super Bowl, obviously with completely different teams, their defense has really performed so well. And it's especially surprising this year because you think about Tampa being known as an offensive powerhouse with Brady, with Evans, with Godwin, with Gronk, and all those guys. But when you look at the statistics, Tom Brady had a very efficient night, um, threw for about 200 yards, three touchdowns. But Mike Evans had one reception. Chris Godwin had two catches for nine yards. I think if I had told you that those statistics would be the case for Tampa coming into the game, you probably would have thought the score would have been the other way around in favor of Kansas City. Yeah, well, you know what? I think Tom Brady uh, should ask to be the general manager at Tampa because his guys were the ones that did everything on Sunday. It wasn't the guys that were already there. It was Gronkowski getting two touchdowns in the Super Bowl, Antonio Brown getting a touchdown, and then Leonard Fournette, who uh, Brady convinced to come to Tampa Bay after he got released by the Jags, had a great night and got a touchdown. So all the touchdowns were people that Brady was the guy who convinced him to come to Tampa Bay. Um, I mean, you look outside of his achievements as a player right now, with what he was able to do in amassing this talent, I got to think that he's on a short track for when he does retire to be, you know, a GM or a head coach without really even having to put in any time as a coach beforehand. Yeah, you really get the sense that obviously whatever he does next, he will excel at. But I completely concur with you. I could see him as a general manager working in a front office, working as a head coach. Um, I think he'd be fantastic at that. Um, but also, I do have to give credit, you know, to the Tampa Bay defense. I thought that Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator, played a fantastic game. And also, on the flip side, you look at Steve Spagnola, the defensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. In the past, he had kind of gotten the upper hand on Tom Brady. He was the defensive coordinator of the Giants back in 2007 when they held the high-powered Patriots with Brady and Randy Moss and Wes Welker to 14 points in that Super Bowl upset. So it was big, I think, for Brady, you know, to kind of exercise some of those demons against Spagnola in this game. But ultimately, Dan, it's all about Tom Brady and him just adding to his legacy, if that was even possible, when he went to Tampa. And I think that now that he has won his seventh Super Bowl, he has shown that he has separated himself from Bill Belichick. I mm -hmm. think we can no longer, you know, just put them hand in hand. Like, I think we'll always look back at the Brady-Belichick era and call it that in New England, but now the narrative becomes more about Tom Brady and his greatness, and he's just added to his legacy. Yeah, and, and I, I, I hope that people don't, like, look at Belichick now as not what he was. I mean, he still was a very integral part of that, but I definitely think that Brady now set his own legacy of, I could have done this pretty much anywhere. Maybe I wouldn't have won six of them, but, you know, I could have done this anywhere. Like, I make that big of an impact. And now you look at him as a guy who has won single-handedly more Super Bowls than any franchise in NFL history. He's now got, even though it's different sports, more championships than Jordan does and with multiple teams. I mean, not only now has he got a clear claim to greatest NFL player of all time, he might have the, the claim to best pro athlete of all time. Yeah, he really has a good argument. 
because when you're counting the championships, I think I said this on the show last week, a lot of the guys like a Bill Russell, you know, as great as they were back in the day in those Celtics teams, and you even think of some of the New York Yankee teams that won all those titles, there wasn't as much parity back in those days in mm. sports. You didn't have as many teams. And so Tom Brady's doing this against 32 teams in an era, year in and year out, where there's so much film study and off-season workouts and everything. Teams are trying to, almost like a science, de- you know, develop ways to defeat Tom Brady. I mean, defensive coordinators, you know, are specializing in that, yet they can't do it. They can't stop it. He keeps making it to the Super Bowl. So to do it in this era where you can't get anything past anybody and easy impresses me even more. And I really don't even think they're done, Dan. Um, You know, I think we said a moment ago we thought next season would be when they'd be really good. I think they have a good chance to repeat. I think they do too. And I really want to see if he comes back for one more season because you look at the performance they did in the Super Bowl, that was by far their most complete performance of the year their best playing, you got to think if they can hold on to those all those guys for one more season, they're only going to get better. So I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't just go for one more season. You know, you looked at when, uh, when Peyton Manning retired after winning his Super Bowl or when uh, John Elway retired after winning his, that you could kind of see that they were going downhill a little bit. Not as much with Elway. He still looked pretty good, but it wasn't exactly the same. But Peyton Manning was a shell of himself when he won that last Super Bowl. Tom Brady looked as good as ever on Sunday night. Not much of a difference. And, I mean, you know, it speaks to how well he takes care of his body. You've seen all these different things about what he eats, his amazing diet. Yes, his, his incredible workout plan. And the fact that he's married to a supermodel, she probably helps him, like, with maintaining it, too. And, you know, I just – I think that he's 43 years old, but he's got the body of like a 30-something-year-old, you know. And I don't think that's the case with these other guys that have won Super Bowls at the end of their careers. No, that's certainly the case, Dan. You don't really see any drop-off at 43. And I saw a crazy statistic that just so immensely impressed me where when it comes to arm strength for Tom Brady, he led the NFL this year for any quarterback with throws – completed of at least 20 yards so like you know passes where you throw it and the receiver's not picking up the yardage for you like you know the passes that traveled in the air right he completed 34 passes this year that traveled at least 20 or more yards so i mean the the arm strength is just not deteriorating at all versus drew Brees, like completing two probably yeah i can maybe remember like yeah exactly so, I mean, yeah, he's definitely still has it. And you were right about Tampa Bay's defense. I mean, they have been showing significant improvement throughout the playoffs, and they really just had kind of a coup de grace in this game. And because we're the most biased uh, radio show on the Internet, I have to talk about how great of a game I thought that Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean had from Auburn. The corners for Tampa, both uh, Auburn grads, uh, both had really good games. And I thought especially Carlton Davis – having kind of a redemptive effort when he got torched by Tyreek Hill for about 240 yards in the first game. He locked him down. Tyreek Hill had less than 50 yards in this game, and I think Jamel Dean had a lot to do with that too because he was kind of the speedster covering the back end. And so once they took Tyreek Hill out of this game, that made things a lot more difficult for the Chiefs, and I think that was a big factor in this game. No, it certainly was, and I'm glad you brought up Hill. 
Because one thing that's concerned me about the Chiefs all season is their over-reliance on Hill and Kelsey. As good as those guys are, I think that this year in the draft or free agency, they've got to bring in another possession-wide receiver. Um, I think that you saw such a disparity in the catch volume for Kelsey and Hill in this game compared to everybody else. I think those guys both had good numbers. The second closest receiver, I think, had two catches for 23 yards. And that's just too much of a drop-off. Yeah, definitely. And you could see it. I mean, even though Mahomes is getting pressured the way he was, he still made some incredible throws to guys that weren't Hill and Kelsey that were dropped. You think about that touchdown pass that he threw to Daryl Williams in the end zone where he was getting tackled by two guys and he threw it 40 yards in the air, dead on the line for Daryl Williams' head, and it went right through his hands. I mean, that's something that if you had a number three wide receiver, they would have caught that. Absolutely. And um, it's interesting you bring up Daryl Williams. Did you think about how many former LSU players were in this game? Yes. I mean, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Leonard Fournette. Um, Devin White, it was just insane. Well, I was saying that if I was at Orgeron, if I was at Orgeron, the next recruiting trip that I had, if I was going after a running back, I would literally just show a video of the Super Bowl and be like, what, what is that? Oh, that's three LSU running backs on the field at the same time. So why would you go to any other school except for LSU right now? Right, right. And all like kind of within like the last few years, too. Yeah, I mean, that. And it was funny because, you know, I talked about last week about the Honey Badger being a big factor in this game, possibly being the guy who could win the MVP as a non-quarterback. And it's funny because he got absolutely obliterated in that game, just all across the board. And not only that, he got trash-talked by Tom Brady and got ran down by him. I was just like, this is such an embarrassing game for, for the Honey Badger. Of course, he has that pass interference in the end zone, which ends up costing him. Really just a truly atrocious game. The only thing he, he did was he had that interception that got called back on what I thought was kind of a ticky-tack defensive hold penalty. But outside of that, I mean, Matthew was kind of the Carlton Davis of this game. Yeah, he really was. Uh, disappointing for him and um, disappointing for that uh, Kansas City defense, as I stated with Steve Spagnola all, all around. Kind of the last thing I'll leave you with, Dan, is we talk about Tom Brady's legacy with the Super Bowl. A couple of things I thought about is it's crazy when you think about how long he's played. I think about where I was, you know, like when he won his first Super Bowl in middle school. I was in the sixth grade. And it's like, you know, we're just watching the same movie over and over again. It's almost like we're stuck in a time warp. Tom Brady has now won a Super Bowl in three different decades of my life. Tom Brady has won a Super Bowl now with four different United States presidents. <laughs> I mean, it's just insane. Uh, at least I think it's four. I, I think, yeah, he won one with Bush, Obama, Trump, and now Biden. So it, it just gets crazier when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, I remember that first Super Bowl where they, they beat the Rams on the on the last second field goal by Vinatieri. And, yeah, it was like 2001. And, yeah, I was in, I was in sixth grade. And – just so many things were different. Like, you know, it, it just uh, it blows my mind that he's played this long and done it that successfully. And what's so interesting, too, is that he won a lot early. He won, what, three – he won two in a row and three out of four those first three Super Bowls he won. 
And then yeah. it was a long time before they won him again. I mean, it was a huge decade. Break. Yeah. And then, then he's won four in the last decade. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, I don't know that I've ever really seen that before. Yeah, he's won four in seven years, I think, after going 10 years without winning one. And, you know, just to overcome, you know, losing that perfect season, you know, a lot of people might not have come back from something like that. And, um, you know, it was two Super Bowl losses in a row in heartbreaking fashion before they finally broke through. It's kind of like Malcolm Butler kind of was his saving grace. It's like ever since, you know, they got that interception in the Super Bowl for the Patriots, it's like kind of like the floodgates that opened at that point. Yeah, and that was one they probably shouldn't have won. You know, all the Seahawks had to do was run it up the middle right there, and they would have won. Um, but you know, looking looking towards next year, I think that if he if he stays, you got to consider them one of the favorites. And then, depending on how Mahomes, you know, gets back from his surgery, I think that you know they're obviously going to be up there too. But, Joe, I got a question. Do you think now that we've seen this happen, Brady's gotten number seven and he beat Mahomes again, can we go ahead and close the book on the fact that there's no way Mahomes is going to get seven or eight Super Bowls and catch up to Brady? I I think there's no way. And I think that even more than that, there's no way he could ever eclipse Brady as far as, you know, the perception of who's the GOAT. Even if Patrick Mahomes were to win – seven Super Bowls after this against other competition. Now that Brady has the head-to-head, I just don't think anybody could ever regard him as better than Tom Brady, objectively speaking. I think that Tom Brady has permanently separated himself from just about every other quarterback. Well, yeah, and then you got to think, too, that the two times that Brady has beaten Mahomes when it mattered, AFC Championship game, Super Bowl, and I don't think Mahomes is ever going to get another chance at him to beat him in that. And even if he did next season, Brady would still have a two-to-one record over him when he was 18 years older than him. So I think it's going to be hard for anyone to make an argument that Mahomes is better than him. Oh, absolutely. And the one thing about Mahomes, you know, his talent is undeniable. But I always worry, Dan, when you see athletes where everybody's like, the sky is the limit for their career. Like, it's so easy. Like, they're going to be so good, so great. You know, championships galore. You know, it's hard to win in the NFL. It's hard to maintain a roster competitively for years, especially when you have a player paid as much as Patrick Mahomes. It makes it difficult to afford other players on the roster. And, and that's the problem. And, hey, you want to get a great example of that. Uh, we'll probably save this to talk more about it next week with some of the free agent things that's going on in the NFL. Look at the Texans and Deshaun Watson. They spent their whole bankroll on getting Deshaun Watson to stay there for a long time traded away a lot of talents so they could afford him and now he's all mad because he doesn't he doesn't have a say in who they have he doesn't have a lot of good players well that's because you asked for too much money that's exactly what happened I mean the same thing happened you know to drew Brees in New Orleans when he got that 100 million dollar contract they went about four years missing the playoffs until they finally had a big draft class in 2017. Yeah, and that's what's going to happen with the Texans. So that'll be a story to watch. And uh, that's what happens nowadays when you get that big contract. Um, but, you know, definitely really great win for the for the Chiefs. I think your comparison to the Seahawks win over the Broncos is very apt. I mean, this is one that kind of like that just from the very get-go was all Tampa Bay. 
in that, of course, in that Seahawks-Broncos game, they snapped it over Peyton Manning's head the first play of the game, and it was a safety. And this one, I mean, you know, it just seemed like nothing really happened in the first quarter. And in the very end, weird stat, Tom Brady gets his first touchdown ever in a Super Bowl first quarter, which how crazy is that that he's now won seven? That was the first time he ever scored a touchdown in the first quarter. And I think it was like in the last 30 seconds when he even did it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you think about in his Super Bowl career prior to Sunday night, he was more of kind of a late starter in those games, like a late bloomer, kind of a second-half guy, as Atlanta Falcons fans know all too well. Yeah. Well, speaking of second half, we got ourselves a second part of our show coming up when Joe and I get into a little college basketball, which we haven't gotten to do with all this football action we've been having. And uh, we're also going to have a locker room talk later on. Catch all of our old episodes. We're all caught up on Spotify. Look at the Dan and Joe Sports Show. Catch the full catalog. Uh, tune in at 8 o'clock on Wednesday nights on Facebook Live. You can also like our fan page on Facebook. And we're available on Spotify and Google Play. And as always, I'm Dan. I'm Joe.